0: Welcome to the audio podcast of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, the show where you can talk face-to-face with your favorite MLB players and personalities. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this round of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. You can see him in the window next to me. It's uh, two of the great minds of baseball from MLB Pipeline. And the big draft on the horizon, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo join us for a very special draft day, Chatting Cage. Gentlemen, how are you doing? I know this is an exhausting time of year for you. Can you answer some questions from some fans?
1: No, <laughs> I, I can.
2: I can. I can't speak for Jim. Jim's just a hologram right now, so sure. we'll do the best we can. Yeah,
1: we're good. I actually feel like we're fairly
0: well rested for this stage of the. Considering, draft.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, we're ready to go.
0: All right. Well, let's just let's take all the wind out of your sails, then. Fans, get fired <laughs> up. Don't make me do all the work. Get your device fired up. Ask these guys questions directly. Meanwhile, use the MLB Fans app or Twitter hashtag Chatting Cage, and I'll read that in my best reading voice. I go to the MLB Fans app right now, and I like this one from Scout Eckholm, gentlemen. Who's the most interesting player in the draft this year? Interesting player in the draft.
2: I don't know what interesting
0: means. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Uh, You know what
1: else? I'll say, I'll steal your guy probably. But I mean, Hunter Green, I mean, is interesting because he's a talented two way player. Could be a first round pick as a pitcher, as a hitter. You've done a series of stories. He's a real interesting kid off the field. He's got a lot of personality. Throws 100
2: miles an hour. hour, That's a good one. I mean, Brendan McKay is a guy who would be a top five pick uh, as a hitter or a pitcher. Uh, you, know, you know, we haven't seen that at all, I'll borrow your line, uh, since Dave Winfield. Um, so, you know, those, you know, those and those two guys have a chance to go one and two in the draft, so uh, we're talking guys at the top who who, who have sort of some interesting wrinkles uh, in terms of what they can do.
0: I'd say that's absolutely interesting. There you have it. You start talking about Dave Winfield in a sentence with somebody, that's certainly getting fascinating. So this is our Edward Jones Chatting Cage. That's Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo fielding your questions. A fan joins us. On the road. Excellent. Drive safely, sir. What's your name? Uh, What's your question Uh, for the guys? Hold over. Don't worry. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I was just wondering, (laughs) we've all wanted to know for about a month now, will Hunter Green play for the Twins as of tonight? All right. No.
2: He will not. Well, no. Even if he gets drafted number one, he won't play (laughs) for the Twins tonight. Um, But...
1: (laughs) No. Uh, Yeah, you go ahead. I I think it's it's come down to two guys for the Twins. I think it's all likelihood going to be Brendan McKay, who we just talked about, the two-way star from Louisville. I think they prefer him as a pitcher and will let him play both ways, at least at the start of his career. Um, And I think the backup plan would be Royce Lewis, the California high school shortstop outfielder. But I, I think it's McKay unless Royce Lewis would cut a deal that was significantly cheaper enough than what it would cost to sign McKay. So I think it's one of the two. I don't think they're on green. I think Cincinnati Reds fans will be welcoming Hunter Green to the fold this evening.
0: I agree. All right, there we have it. And Jim Cowes sticking by his commitment to answer yes or no to each question. We appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, This is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I go back to the MLB Fans app. By the way, if you are mobile and driving, pull over like that gentleman did before you ask a question. That's an important part of this thing. Or be a passenger. Uh, From Red Bostonian, Jim, Jonathan, what do you enjoy the most about the MLB draft?
2: Jim's company.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You have that all year, let's be honest.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, but it's like really heightened right now. Trust me. I'm ready for a little break, I think. Now, um, You know, it, it always gets a little crazy as, uh, as we lead up to it, and, and there is fatigue that sets in. But, I mean, for me, more than anything, uh, I, I like introducing a new wave of potential MLB stars to baseball fans at large Um, i know we both take that job very seriously we try to put a lot of good information out there we try to project the first round the right way but uh for us to be conduits into letting people know who these guys are and what you can expect from them to me that's what i i like the most
1: yeah I, i like that too and i think the most fun part for me is the logic puzzle that is putting together first round projections where you're like okay if this guy goes here the domino effect and how it can unfold and i also I, I like, I feel like it's a time of year, Jonathan, where by nature of our jobs, we're constantly asking people, how good is this player? How good is that player? Those types of questions. This is a time of year we can actually, it's like a two-way street of information where right. we have teams, we have agents asking us what we're hearing, where do you think this guy's going to go? So it's a it's a time of year where we can actually help people in addition to having them help us rather than just... Hey, tell me about this guy, this guy, this guy. It, it, it's a give and take. So I enjoy, and when we're done here with this and a couple other things, we're gonna try to do one more mock draft. Uh for the website this evening, but I love trying to figure out where all the pieces are going to fall.
2: And I'll just uh, piggyback on that. Uh, talking to people in the scouting industry, scouts, scouting directors, cross checkers—it's actually one of the most fun parts of, of our job because uh, those are the guys who are out going and seeing all these players, uh, and you know we do lean on them heavily. And uh, it is nice that we can kind of return the favor as we get close. But you know the, these guys are the you know the the backbones of baseball. Without scouts who traverse the country uh, to see all these players none of these players become professionals.
0: Uh, thank you for that, guys. Great insight into what this uh, time of year is like for you and what the draft uh, is enjoyable about. That's Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, taking your question, folks. The hashtag is Chad and Cage on Twitter or use the MLB Fans app and join us. Do your device like this fan. What's your name? What's your question for My Jim and Jonathan? My name's Brian. My
1: name's Brian. I was wondering, um, is there any truth to the rumor that the Padres are going to take Helio Ramos with the, fir- with the third overall pick? I don't think there's, there's truth to that. I mean. Two teams that get associated with virtually every player in this draft are the Padres and the Braves. You feel like you hear every player that the Braves are going to take at number five, and almost every player you hear the Padres are hoping to cut a deal with their second pick. They're going to hope the guy falls down to their second pick. I I don't doubt that the Padres have interest in Ramos. A lot of teams do. We're hearing that he, he may not even last 20 picks. Um, I don't think he's going to get back to them. I, I feel like the Potters, I keep hearing this, unless Hunter Green is there, which I don't think is going to happen because I think that's the Reds guy 100% at two, I think the Potters are taking Mackenzie Gore. Um, and then I think the Potters would love to see Helio Ramos when they pick again 30 picks or so later, but, that, but that's not going to happen because there's too many teams interested in it.
2: Yeah, maybe they'll make a, an attempt to, to push him down to them in their second pick. They've been known to do that. Uh, you know, last year the, the word was that they were trying to do that with Jay Grimm, the left-handed pitcher, who was at the top of our top 200, and the Red Sox swooped in and, and took him before they got the chance. And I think I could see, you know, something like that with Ramos where there are enough teams that are interested in him before the Padres pick again. But uh, I don't think there's any chance he goes number three.
0: All right, there you Thanks, Fan, for joining us and getting that question out there. We appreciate the guys answering that. I go to Twitter now. The hashtag is chatting case Jonathan Mayo, Jim Callis. Are there any draft surprises you guys already envision? or are predicting? Is there something against the grain that you see happening?
2: I mean, I guess the the, the, the one that started coming up yesterday, you know, is the, the where the Atlanta Braves are looking at, at number five. And, uh, you know, we both in the mock draft that's up right now went with Keston Hiura, uh, who's a very talented hitter. A lot of people think maybe the best college bat in the class, uh, but... Uh, was not a guy that people really thought of as a top five pick. Uh, you know, the Braves have been known to cut a deal. Uh, they did it with Ian Anderson at number three a year ago and then aggressively go after some high-ceiling talent with some of their additional picks you know, later on in the draft. And uh, we've heard a whole bunch of names with the Braves at number five, and is the one we both went with. So that, that would be the first thing that came to my mind up top in terms of where things could really
1: Yeah, and it's not to sound arrogant about it, but we talked to so many people. It's like when, if Hira does go five today, it's not going to be a surprise because we've been hearing that for a day. I mean, I guess the latest name I heard in the first round uh, last night that I had not heard to that point as a potential first rounder was Drew Rasmussen from Oregon State, who's come back from Tommy John and is throwing the ball very well for the Beavers, who I believe are now 54-4 and and headed to Omaha. Um, But, you know, I mean, the, the surprise will be, and there's no way to know this in advance, is there will be some deals cut, some discount guys taken for under slots, teams can spend more later, and the teams generally keep those under wraps. So you may see the Rays at four or Team X wherever take a guy at 11 right. who we weren't expecting. But that stuff's,
0: we try to ferret that out, but usually you, you find that out when they get picked. Uh, great, thank you so much for that, guys. Uh, th- those are the things to look forward to. Uh, Atlanta number five actually was, A big question from a lot of fans out there in the social media space and in the live space. So thank you for answering for that. Another fan joins us in the cage. What's your name? What is your question?
1: Uh, Hi, I'm Mark. Uh, I just
2: want to know where you guys think Jordan Adele could end up in the draft.
0: Well, I think the
2: first landing spot for him is probably nine to Milwaukee. I haven't heard him higher than that. Have you? No, I mean,
1: unless somebody tries to do a deal that I don't don't see coming. But yeah, I think nine's probably the the highest spot. It's I I hear him. You know, it's it's funny. I we've been writing for a while. At least I've been writing for a while. I think you probably have two that he could go in the top ten or he might all go all the way in the 20s. I've heard enough teams that seem to be on him in the teens. I think he's going to go somewhere in that that 13 to 16 range. Maybe, you know, you got the Marlins at 13, you have the Yankees at 16, Astros at 15, Royals at 14. I kind of feel like that's his sweet spot. Maybe he gets a little past that, but not far. Right.
2: Yeah, he's, I mean, he's got tremendous tools. There are some scouts a little concerned with the swing and miss, but uh, I, I think the upside is considerable. If it weren't for the swing and miss, we would be talking about him at the very top of the draft. I mean, that's, that's how high his ceiling is if, if he can uh, refine his approach at the plate and make more
0: consistent contact. Thank you, Faye. Thank you, guys. As we continue to roll along in this Edward jones Cage draft day special edition, it's time now for the EDJ question of the day. Gents, we touched on it a little bit earlier about the overall, uh, about the draft itself, about what you liked about it. So most specifically, though, if you can build on that, how much fun is this time of year for you two? Oh, it's great. I mean,
1: I think this is my favorite time of year, baseball Sure. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I, I mean, this analogy gets used all the time, but it really is, you know, like the equivalent of, of Christmas or Hanukkah for, Thank for Jonathan. Thank you. for uh, <laughs> But uh, no, it's like you, you have all the, it's like the night before the draft is kind of, you have all the presents wrapped under the tree and then we wait and then we get to open them and see who, wh- which team gets, gets which guy. But no, it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's kind of fun trying to figure out who's going where. As Jonathan alluded to, you know, these are going to be, we're going to, there are going to be some great stars who come out of this draft. Mm-hmm. You know, we aren't going to necessarily know who they are right away, but we'll look back like we did the first draft that they ever had here at MLB Network. One player was here, Mike right. Trout. You know, he's pretty good. Yeah, that worked you know, out that well. that was kind of a pretty neat deal. So it's, it, this is the most fun time of year, I think.
2: Yeah, okay. and I like that analogy much better than the one when people ask me, well, how busy are you? I'm like, well, it's kind <laughs> of like an accountant on tax day. That does not sound like fun. <laughs> um, that is how busy we are, but, uh, but we enjoy it. As I would imagine, CPAs across this land enjoy tax day.
0: That's just the answer I thought we'd get for the EDJ question of the day. You can, yeah, you can clip that
2: and put it in a quote box somewhere.
0: That will Posterity will have that forever. Another fan joins us here in the cage on the move. What's your name? What's your question for Jim? And my question is, I'm a Cleveland Indians fan and that's 64th pick. Who are some sleepers that can go that will be effective in the league in the second round?
1: Jonathan, you projected the first two rounds in your mock draft. I did. did. Was that was that 64? Was
2: it is that an Indians fan? That I couldn't Indi- quite hear Indians. everything, yes. Jimmy. That was Indians. Uh, uh, you know, I would love to be able to pull an aim out for you right now, but um, the one thing that limits you when you pick that late is you don't have as much money to work with. So there will be some interesting names that don't go that we thought could go early, but have slid because of signability and the chances of the Indians being able to be aggressive and go after that player are, are limited somewhat because of the amount of money they had to to, uh, to spend. Um, that said, uh, I mean I'm trying to I'm trying to rack uh, my th- brain. I'm going to throw her. two
1: darts at the board here only Please. because I, uh, I got asked this question on Twitter. James Maranin, a uh, high school right-hander from Florida, I think the Indians like a little bit. We have him ranked kind of right around there on our yeah. our top 200. And I do think, I mean, the, the Indians do draft a lot of college players. It, it's possible, like we have a kind of a sweet spot of, of college performers right around there who probably will go ahead of that, but I'll throw Greg Dykeman of LSU out there. So okay. if, if it's right, I'm going to point to this video and say <laughs> I like, called pick 64. But those are just basic wild guesses.
0: Yep. That's a good cluster of names, though. I like that. Well done, guys. Uh, Answering the Cleveland fan as he walks around uh, giving you the questions. This is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, draft day edition. I go back to the MLB Fans app. Justin Gray wants to know, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, who's the best home run hitter in this draft? So who's the best power guy in this draft, guys? It's got to be Jake Berger, right?
1: Yeah, I think Jake Berger's got the most usable power. He's got the track record. He's done it in college. I mean, if you talk about... You know, upside. You know, we mentioned Joe Adele. I mean, right. Joe Adele led the, for what it's worth, it's high school stats, but he led the nation with 24, 25 home runs in Kentucky. I mean, he can crush balls a long way. Hunter Green, who's going to get drafted as a pitcher, he's got tremendous power. You know, balls, rapport, you know right? opposite field. You know, in the stands at Target Field the other day in a workout. So, a lot of good power, man. But if we are looking at usable power, who's going to hit the most home runs in the big leagues? I think Jake Berger is
0: probably the best bet. Uh, thank you for that. I'll go back to the MLB Fans app. This one a little less draft specific. San Fran ninety-two wants to know. Jim, Jonathan, uh, what do you guys love about the sport of baseball?
2: Wow. Um, Well, I mean, I played it as a kid. You know, I'm sure we both did. Uh, I've always loved it. You know, for me, baseball has sort of been an heirloom that's been passed down from generation to generation. And uh, my mom actually, in some ways was a bigger baseball fan than than my dad, although he was as well. She was an only child, and her dad was forward-thinking enough to teach her the game, and then it was passed down to me, and I'm passing it down to my kids. And, uh, you know, I, I love the history of it and the forward-thinking part of it that we do and, you know, mm-hmm. sort of bringing that all together.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy the sport. I mean, there's so much strategy you can dissect when you're, when you're watching a game. There's both a lot going on, but also kind of the, the pace. There's some lulls in the action, so it's not like you have to – be riveted for three hours watching every second. You can have a, you can have a nice conversation while you're watching a baseball game. Um, you know, and, and like Jonathan said, I, I just enjoy covering it too, trying to figure out. I mean, we're kind of in the prognostication business, identifying, you know, who are the stars of tomorrow. Um, that, that's always fascinated me. From when I was a kid, I wanted to know who they were, and, and now I try to tell people who they're gonna be. No.
0: <laughs> well, that's a great. Thank you both for sharing that. That's great to see why you guys love it and why you're so good at it, because it takes a lot of passion to stay tuned and tapped in like you are, tradition and prognostication, two great reasons to love the sport of baseball. Another fan joins us in the cage. What's your name, what's your question? From from Teaneck, my question is, if you guys were sitting in Sandy Alderson's position in New York for the Mets at number 20, who would you guys pick? For
2: the Mets. I'm now trying to remember who it is I, I did put there. <laughs> uh, well, one name that came that did come up is uh, Nate Pearson, who's a junior college right-hander who kind of made some headlines uh, a couple weeks ago he, he Threw a bullpen session for a, a lot of scouts and was consistently throwing in triple digits. Um, I know it sounds surprising that the Mets would be interested in a, in a power arm, uh, but. Uh, he's kind of jumped into the conversation right around there. I think Nick Prado, if you want to go high school bat, is a, a name that, if he's there around 20, is a guy that they would consider as a high school first baseman from Southern California uh, with some power potential on, and glove, gold-glove caliber defense at first.
1: I, I think they'd like to see Evan White from Kentucky, the, the really athletic first baseman who I think has some untapped power, get to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that he necessarily will. I think he might go a little bit before that. David Peterson from Oregon, who's a, a polished college left-hander. who's had a very nice year. Uh, he'd be interesting. He's going to be right around that range. It's, you know, the, the, in terms of who you'd like to see, the tough part for us and really tough part for the Mets is, like, you just don't know. When you're picking 20, you're, you know, you have your list. They're probably going to get a guy who's, like, 12th on their list. They just don't, you know, or, or 13 or 14. They're going right. to get a guy who's up six or seven spots on their list. They just don't know who it'll be. So you have to kind of wait and play it out. But uh, th- those are some candidates for him there at 20.
0: Uh, thank you for that question, obviously, for a Mets fan. Wonder what Sandy might do. You both had uh, Nate Pierston listed on this morning's uh, mock, by the way. Just so you know. Just to we, good you. And you know we
1: don't we actually do our mocks totally separately, but yet we seem to arrive at the same conclusions a lot. It's, it's pretty yes. remarkable.
0: Uh, it's like it's like you guys know the business. Uh, another fan joined us in the cage. <laughs> what's your name? what's your question?
1: Hello, my name is Scout,
0: and my question is, does the prospect's attitude affect how high will we drafted? interesting
2: prospect (laughs) attitude yes i mean it does to an extent uh i mean and and it's called any of a number of things character makeup uh you name it but uh obviously you know if a player has that sort of that plus attitude you know uh they're a gamer uh off the field they're mature uh you know they're good leaders that's always going to help because that helps you it's a risky business to draft you know and there is a a certain semblance of uh, crapshoot nature to it so if there are those kinds of qualities in a player that you think are going to help them maximize the natural ability they have then yeah i think that definitely helps
1: yeah i mean it's i almost think teams i don't know if they spend more time on it but they spend probably more time on it than average fan thinks trying to figure out a player's makeup i mean the Physical tools, yeah, there's going to be some range of opinions on how good a, a player's fastball is or is bad or whatever, but it's still it's going to be a pretty close range of opinions. I mean, if a guy's throwing 96, most people are going to say, I like that fastball. Right. But you have to know, you know, like Jonathan said, work ethic, you know, how the guy's going to handle adversity, what kind of character it is. Um, teams spend an awful lot of time trying to get to know the players, especially in the draft before they pick them for just that reason. You don't want to take a guy and then find out he's got some, some flaw in his makeup, maybe he doesn't work hard or, or whatever, has some kind of problem you didn't realize. You, you don't want to find that out after you've, you've signed the guy. You need to know that beforehand.
0: All right, Jim, Jonathan, as always, amazing to talk to you, get your insights on a day like this. Did you have fun? I know you got a lot going on today. Did you enjoy taking some time out and answering fans directly today? I, yes. love,
2: the, I love the chatting cage, um, you know, and uh, it's always fun to be able to answer people's, uh, people's
0: questions. It's great. You guys are uh, uh, unbelievable information, a font of information, a wealth of information. We appreciate you sharing it with us. Have a great day. Enjoy tonight as round one gets underway in the next couple days of coverage. I know we'll see you over here on this side of the river after today. Uh, Thanks for being with us. And fans, as always, thank you for uh, making this thing work. Without you, it's just me yelling at people. Nobody really wants to watch that. So we'll see you on the next round the Ever Jones chatting Cage.